The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Hey, Rockheads, stop dry-roasting your peanuts and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 499 with guest Lev Novick, recorded live Tuesday, September 8, 2009. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter, and now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Code Magazine the leading independent magazine for .NET developers, online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who, like Will Rogers, never met a ribeye he didn't like, Carl Franklin. Thank you very much, and welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. In Los Angeles at the PDC, Richard will be here in just a minute. So we're in the Figueroa Hotel, which is right on Figueroa Street, the same street as the Staples Center and the Los Angeles Convention Center where the PDC is being held. Uh, it's Monday night. We're publishing the show. Lawrence is actually here because we're uh, recording uh, some videos for Microsoft that uh, you'll see sometime soon. And the festivities start at the PDC tomorrow, so we're going to be recording a lot of shows here. You'll see them in the future, I'm sure. Let's now roll the interview that we did with Lev Novick on September 8th about the Microsoft Sync Framework. Our guest today is Lev Novick. He's an architect working on synchronization, Microsoft Sync Framework, and cloud storage technologies and Microsoft. Prior to this, Lev worked on synchronization and security problems in WinFS. Ooh, we got to talk about that. Yep. And earlier, MSN storage projects. Lev joined Microsoft in 1998 out of the Wiseman Institute. Is that true? Wiseman? No, it's actually Weitzman. Weitzman. Ah, because that would have been kind of funny, the Wiseman yeah. Institute. Yeah. <laughs> W-E-I-Z-M-A-N-N, the Weitzman Institute. He spent his formative Microsoft years working on WMI and WMI Eventing, a general-purpose event subscription and filtering system. Welcome, Lev. Thanks. Nice to be here. So uh, does the sink have both hot and cold running water? Just out of curiosity. 
Absolutely. It's the kitchen sink. Everything is in it. It is, it is, it is. It is all <laughs> oh, man. Is this what this show is going to be? This is going to be all sink puns all I'm day. I'm sure you never heard that one before. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Now there was a um a technology called sync that was like f- something about uh something about the car about about a car PC. Yes, that is that is precisely what we're not about. Yeah, that excellent. Is, uh, the, yes, unfortunately, it is it is also known as Microsoft Sync, um, and it is also known as Fort Sync, and uh, that doesn't so much sync as gives you access to all of your um to all of your entertainment and such yeah. things from inside your car and that has nothing to do with us but it's also it's also it's got the same name how does that happen yeah well it's a it's a large world and uh some sometimes things don't uh, different 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 organizations don't um agree on the names beforehand i know what <laughs> i know what happened there's another lev novik working at microsoft so you both have that the same email address. That is also a possibility. I'm still looking for him and trying trying to blame all sorts of things on him, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't quite. All right. So what are we talking about here? Sync. Microsoft Sync Framework. Give us the elevator pitch. Sure. So basically, what we have noticed is pe- people need synchronization a lot. People uh, in 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 this world, uh, there's a lot of data moving from one place to the other. There's a perception that all the data is moving to the cloud, and certainly a lot of it is moving to the cloud, but Sync nonetheless continues to be really important. And what people do is, first of all, they build uh, offline solutions where they where they build applications that can work both online and offline, and then they need to synchronize their data from the cloud uh, to their local store, wherever, wherever it is that their application is running. But the other thing that people are doing, which is which is actually a little bit um, less obvious, is they're using synchronization as a way to cloud enable their local applications. Because if you have an application that is running on your local on your local PC or a device or anything really, and you're trying to make it work with the cloud mm. um, to recode your application so that instead of looking at the local store, it would look at the cloud store would actually be quite difficult. It's a lot easier to keep your application more or less as it is, perhaps with some changes, and then synchronize the data between between uh, between your local store and your cloud store. And okay. so, what we have done is seeing uh, seeing that there are so many people writing various synchronization solutions. We've realized that many of these synchronization solutions have a lot of things in common. And also, we realized, uh, frankly, on our own experience that it is significantly harder to write a decent synchronization solution than it seems. It's mm-hmm. one of those cases where writing a, a mediocre synchronization solution is significantly easier than writing a, a, a good one. And all the corner cases that occur in synchronization tends to gore um, uh, unsuspecting developers a lot. And so what we did with Sync Framework was we've attempted to solve the common problems that occur that people who write synchronization solutions encounter in a way that would be independent of the particular bits of technology that they're using. So, for instance, we're not saying, as long as you put the data in my store, we'll be able to sync the data for you. Nor are we saying, as long as you use this protocol or as long as um, you use this particular technology, uh, we'll be able to sync your data. We're saying, look, the format of the data you get to keep, the store of the data you get to keep, even the protocol, frankly, you get to, um, you you have a great deal of flexibility in. And yet... 
some of the other common problems, some of the difficult problems of synchronization, we can solve for you. And that's what Sync Framework basically is. Yeah, so it manifests itself as a as a library for, for .NET developers, or is this something that exists outside the realm of your application? No, you're, you're, you're exactly right. It manifests itself as a library. Uh, it, is, it is available both for .NET developers and for native uh, code developers. So we, nice. have a, we, have a, we have a native library and a managed library, both. Okay. And uh, so what's the relationship between, or the difference maybe between this and Live Mesh? Because Live Mesh is a product that Microsoft has that sort of does what this does for end users on a sort of an application layer level. That's that's right. That's right. Live Mesh is a spectacular application that allows you to take you to take your computers, hook them together through the cloud, and uh, and and take the user data that you're storing on that computer, primarily files, but, but uh, other things as well, and keep that in sync uh, 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 among all of your computers. And basically, yeah. if you're using Live Mesh as a user, you don't have to worry about sync. Sync is done for you. You don't have to worry about storage either. Basically, this is a fully baked application that you can just come out and use. And that's great. So what you guys should have done then for the, for the sync framework is just a, a file copy uh, routine to copy to your live mesh folder. Yeah. So, so, so that is, that is, yeah, curiously enough, that's not, that is uh, uh, not entirely a joke in that, in that people have attempted to do these sorts of things, not so much with live mesh. I don't know if people have attempted this with live mesh, but with other technologies. And it turns out that basically saying, hey, sync is solved for this particular store. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to copy my data into the store and right. then I'm going to sync it over there. Yeah. Um, so, so it turns out that is a bad idea. Um, what happens is you lose uh, m- most of the most of the difficult problems just resurface in a different in, in in another place. Basically, if a conflict occurs, you're going to see conflicts between the data in uh, the store to which you copied and your own store. Change enumeration yeah. from your store is still difficult. Right. All of the problems just moved one step one step uh, out from that realm into the new one. And it's the same kind of problem you have working with any application. You don't get error messages where you could actually do something about it. You get dialog boxes. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. And so what we are doing is we're basically saying, hey, if you, the end user, if, if you can use Live Mesh for your, for, for your purposes, oh, that's spectacular. You, you should definitely do that. Hmm. On the other hand, if you're building your own application and you need to synchronize the data among your own stores, then uh, that's where Sync Framework comes in. How, what's the relationship between the Sync Framework and WCF? Um, so the relationship is um, um, there's no particular relationship. Really, the way the way it is is as follows: mm-hmm. um, Sync Framework says we do not define a protocol. We do not define how you actually send the data on the wire. On the other hand. We do define interfaces, and we do define what data you need to somehow get across to the other side on the wire. Okay. So one very easy way to get the data there is by using WCF. So a lot, what a lot of people have done is they've hooked together uh, Sync Framework and WCF and basically said, sure, I'm going to have a WCF service which publishes all the metadata that Sync Framework requires, and this, in this way I will achieve Sync over WCF. I get it. So you're, the Sync Framework is primarily concerned with saying, hey – there's a new, you know, piece of data over here. Now all of you other people need to be notified that there's new data here and how you get it there, it's up to you. Exactly. And really even more Sync Framework is concerned with things like 
Um, what if the same piece of data was modified by two people? How about three people? Mm. Uh, what if I modified this and sent it to one person, but not the other person? Or maybe mm. I sent it to him, but he forgot about it. Yeah. Things like that. Well, what does happen in that scenario? I mean, that's the, that's the classic boardroom meeting that you have in any software project. You know, what happens when we have these collisions of, you know, uh, you know, of updates? Right. So the first thing, the first thing that Sync Framework does is it keeps enough. So basically, if you're, if you're trying to synchronize your data, you need to keep a little bit of extra data, which we call sync metadata, um, that helps you, uh, detect these sorts of situations and analyze them. The simplest thing to think about it is this, this is the metadata that helps you enumerate the changes, Mm. some sort of a timestamp or something like that. Mm. But there is more to it than that. And so the first thing that we do is we define the data structures and the, the, the sorts of metadata that the solution needs to keep. And then we can, first of all, detect these situations occurring. This in itself turns out to be a non-trivial, a non-trivial problem, where basically the, the notion of what does it mean for us to independently change the same piece of data mm. um, is, is something that needs to be defined. First of all, you need to define what the same piece of data even means. For instance, if you're synchronizing contacts, then if and I change the phone number of the contact and you change the address, well, did we really change the same piece of data, right. or did we just change different pieces of data? So, so this 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 is one of the one of the things that Sync Framework uh, operates on. We call these things change units. But then, what we do is uh, we detect these conflicts and we report them to the calling application. And and I'm I'm we're sort of we're not going in any particular order here. So no, it's okay. Um, um, but 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 basically, when when uh, Sync uh, is happening with sync framework is happening your application is in control so your application says go ahead and sync these two stores now and if we detect conflicts we will raise these conflicts to your application and say what would you like to do and the interesting things that you can do are well there are several interesting things one is you can resolve the conflict if your application is smart enough to just say oh that guy's always right or in this particular case that guy is always right then great you can resolve the conflict and then tell us so the more interesting thing that you can do, there are two actually interesting things. One of them sounds dumb, but actually they're both interesting. One of them is you can refuse to deal with a conflict. Hmm. You can basically say, oh, there's a conflict. I refuse to deal with it. Let somebody else take care of it. And this is very often a very good idea because um, you may be running on a device on which resolving conflicts is is not appropriate. If you're, if for instance, if you're synchronizing data with your cell phone, you really don't want to be dealing with difficult situations on the cell phone. You want to wait until the user has uh, has a bigger screen before um, uh, before embarking on something like this. So one thing you can do is you can you can refuse to deal with the conflict. The other thing you can do is you can postpone the conflict. And that is actually for those who have built synchronization solutions, this is one of the more difficult uh, problems where you effectively agree to disagree for a while. Mm. Where you're basically saying, yes, I understand that there is a conflict. I'm going to keep it, and I'm going to let you deal with it later. And then later, we allow you to come back to us and say, oh, I resolved this conflict like this. And, uh, and then we'll continue and we'll propagate the conflict, uh, the conflict resolution, rather, to all the other participants. So this is the sort of programming model for, for all of this. And you've got this sort of choice to control these things. But you don't actually need to do the synchronization yourself. It, it is running on its own. I, I'm still going back to stuff like syncing with my phone with Outlook. I don't know that actually uses a sync framework, but it's it's largely transparent. 
yeah, let me explain. Let me explain how how we, how we look at this. Let me actually give names to a couple of to a couple of components so that so it would it would be easier to to talk about this. Okay. So typically in a in a in a sync session we are synchronizing two stores are being synchronized. Even if there are a lot more partners in synchronization at any given time, typically you'd be synchronizing two things. Um, so we don't talk directly to these stores, but there are sync providers that either we provide or or somebody else writes that knows how to talk to these stores. So for instance, you may have uh, an Outlook provider and a mobile device provider, and they're being hooked together in a sync session. Now, the next component to this is the sync controlling application. I kind of alluded to this. It's the application that is running that basically says, you two, sync. Okay? And it basically takes two of these providers and it says, uh, Outlook provider for such and such an account, mobile device connected to port such and such, go ahead and sync now. So that is the programmatic experience. Now, the user experience, very often, sometimes the user experience is like that too. Sometimes the user experience is you hit the big red button and the big red button uh, causes synchronization to happen. But more often, sync happens in the background. What happens is this, this sync controlling application basically says, oh, if I detect that anything has happened or on schedule, I'm going to kick off synchronization in the background so the user doesn't have to know anything about this and, think, and things just happen um, underneath, underneath the rest of the user experience. So this is something that happens under the control of the sync controlling application, not something that we do automatically so, so that your application would not be aware of it. All right. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm fascinated adding that capability to my own application, but then I'm obviously going to receive, if I'm the programmer, in that scenario, I'm going to start receiving events about issues around that? Absolutely. Absolutely. You subscribe to these. So the way, the way you actually code around it, if you look at, at, at the SDK, um, is you construct this object called Sync Orchestrator, um, and uh, you tell it what to do, and then uh, you subscribe for events on the Orchestrator, and it tells you, um, you know, that there was a conflict, or a progress was made, or an error was encountered, and all sorts of things like that. That sounds like a... I'm just you know, taking it on another level. Uh, it sounds just like a really fun project to work on, the, my, the sync framework. Uh, it certainly is for me. It's, yeah. one of those, it's one of those things where, um, one of those, you know, we go to school and uh, there are all these uh, computer science uh, problems that occur, that, that we study, and then we get into the real world and uh, none of them tend to matter and complex algorithms don't really happen. Right. And this is one of those, one of those few projects where, no, no, you actually have to have a complex algorithm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. These things yeah. are useful sometimes. It actually matters in this particular scenario. And like I said, you're trying to solve it once and correctly. Quite right. Richard, I found a uh, contact synchronization sample that uses Outlook Sync with the Microsoft uh, Sync framework at shrinkster.com slash 19k3 which is also uh, linked on the Sync Framework, uh, the Developer Center. Cool. Uh-huh. So, well, and this thing not only syncs between Outlook, but also Vista Contacts. Yeah. So that gets That's into right. this whole idea of, you know, what a classic problem, right? We have too many contact lists, and they all need to be the same. That's right. That's right. And the idea is the 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 reason we put to, we, we put together that sample and we grew it I think to a couple to a couple of things is to show how um somebody else can easily add more providers, more matching providers to this. So if you have your own favorite contact store, you can plug that thing in. And that by the way is one of the things that um we have 
made e- a lot easier in Sync Framework V2. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with this. We had we had our we had our V1 that uh, that um, that has shipped, which is available right now, and then we have our V2, which is available in uh, CTP form, um, mm. and that one makes it a lot easier to write providers to um, small local stores, such as typically your contact store would be, um, where performance is perhaps not the most important thing for you, but correctness is. Right. And uh, and so we have made, we've, 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 in, in our V1, we sort of optimized for performance to basically say, well, maybe you have a million items in your store, you can do you can do it just right. And in V2, we said, sure, that's great. But if you have 100 items in your store, you don't have to work nearly as hard. So walk us through a typical development scenario where I've got the same framework and I want to, oh, I don't know, just keep a simple thing like keeping two folders on different computers in sync. Um, right. Just right. files. Well, how right. would I go about... Uh, implementing that sure so so there are two levels of at, at which at which this uh, this needs to be approached so first of all when you're when you're trying to synchronize two stores your first question is are there already sync framework providers that are written for those stores so for instance in the case of a file folder the answer is yes absolutely we ship with one of these yeah so uh, if that is the case so we ship by the way so we ship with providers for file system and for databases um, um, just one, one, one of the database providers works for arbitrary database and another works for a particular SQL C uh, client database that, that Microsoft makes. For file synchronization, are you talking about SyncToy? Uh, no, uh, um, well, SyncToy is an application, is a UI on top of these providers and on okay. top of the Sync framework that controls that. But if you're writing your own application, you wouldn't yeah. use SyncToy. What you would do is you would, write, you would use our file sync provider, which is a, a component, it's an assembly. Okay. And what you would do is you would you would use that to sync your two folders. So what you would need to do this is this is really really easy. What you would do is you would get you would create a sync orchestrator, and you would give to it two um, file sync providers. And when I say create, I mean instantiate, as in called new on. Okay. You know? um, and you would you would take your two file sync providers, you would give them to the orchestrator, and you would tell the orchestrator sync. And you would configure these two providers. One you would point at the left folder and, or at one folder, and the other you would point at the other folder. And when you say sync, the, the sync framework will take care of the rest. And would you typically run this as a service on a, on a server somewhere? Um, or would you run it as a console app that just runs in the background or some... That really depends on your scenario. Yeah. You know, I, 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 for instance, use, use this for, uh, to, to synchronize files between my computers, uh, or, and also to synchronize, to synchronize things, um, between, um, removable de- devices and, uh, and, uh, and my hard drive. And, uh, I chose to just, to just, uh, use it as a console app, but that's because I'm a console app kind of person. Yeah. So if you want something running all the time, same, you know, rules apply. You probably want to write a service. But basically, it has to be sitting out there running and watching. And- exactly. So the, the, good news, the good news on the running and watching part, though, is that the beauty of Sync is that, is that it doesn't have to run and watch. Uh, if you stop really? it and, and things, because the, the, the point of synchronization is whenever you start it again, it will figure out what has changed and it will do the right thing. Uh. Right? So you're welcome to stop it. I mean, if you want to run it in the background all the time, that's great. But if you stop it and start it again, it'll sync at that time. The only problem right. is while it's stopped, of course, nothing is syncing. Nothing is syncing, yeah. But the moment you restart it, everything will work again. But, you know, therein lies the definition of a good sync framework is this ability to tolerate interruption and yeah. failures. Yeah. That is 
That is exactly right. That is that that I, I agree with wholeheartedly. And and this is one of the one of the nastiest problems when you start looking at file synchronization, for instance. It's all very easy until uh, you realize, well, maybe I'm synchronizing this file, but the file is locked. Now what? It's very easy to to just stop and wait for the file to get unlocked. Obviously, that's 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 a horrible solution. Um, and if you continue, then you have to remember that the file was locked, and then you have to somehow uh, be able to recover from all of these from all of these problems on the next synchronization. And that's really where we excel: is that is we 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 manage to maintain a, a relatively small amount of metadata that allows us to answer these questions correctly, nonetheless. Now, now let's talk about spanning the internet. Does that is that something that you're concerned with, or is that something that I mean? Obviously, you're concerned with it because you have to pass messages back and forth. Are you using a a, a server idea and you're polling for things? Are you communicating directly? How what what is, what are the options there? Right. So, so um, uh, I, I have to say, as far as Sync Framework is concerned, um, we so like you said, Sync Framework manifests itself as a library. So technically, we don't speak. Uh, uh, we we uh, we ourselves don't uh, span the internet or, or or anything like that. But having said that, of course, there are solutions that have been built on top of us, and we care about solutions that are that we, we care about making it easy to build these sorts of solutions. So so the question still is still a valid one. So what what the way we the way we look at this is as follows: um, we try to optimize the following scenarios. First of all, the the case of synchronization where not very much has changed needs to be very efficient. The reason I'm saying this is that, unfortunately, a lot of the Internet scenarios, because of the connectivity issues, uh, eventually come down to polling. And it, it becomes just the, the only thing you can really do in some, in some, in some situations right. is keep trying. And what we want to make sure is that computationally, as well as bandwidth-wise, this trying is really cheap. And, right. and uh, this is in contrast with many with many other solutions, which, uh, for instance, during synchronization, uh, do something like I will send you the list of my objects, and you look at it and you say, "Oh, uh, I'm missing this one. I should go ask for it." Solutions like this do not lend themselves to frequent synchronization. What we do, because our metadata is very concise, if I want to uh, quote unquote pull from you. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to send you a very small amount of metadata that describes where I'm at, and then you will respond by basically saying, if there's nothing to do, then you will respond by saying, oh, well, in that case, I've got nothing to tell you. And so very little traffic went on the wire in, in an average case for such a synchronization. And if you were writing an application where you wanted to sync over the internet, you'd basically have to have agents at both sides and then take your messages. I'm just trying to figure out how that works. Would you take your messages and, and basically send them over the wire? Making a sort of a pass through. Um, so, so, so there, are, so there, are, there are there are a couple of uh, situations. Let me um, actually describe it. So, <laughs> I'm more used to doing this with a whiteboard. So, yeah, wave your hands it. in the air. It helps. <laughs> but um, um, so, uh, in one of these situations, so one, let let me describe two. So, one situation is where you're trying to synchronize, for instance, two databases. Over, over the internet. We have a server database somewhere, perhaps in the enterprise, and then you have a client database on a client and you're trying to keep them in sync. So what a lot of people do is precisely what you describe. They build a service uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the enterprise um, whose job it is to, uh, to accept and send our metadata, basically our, our, our protocol messages 
over over the internet. So they 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 typically put a WCF service there, and in that that WCF service wraps all of our protocol interactions. Okay, good. Uh, on a client, you don't have to have a listener of any kind. On a client, you just have perhaps even a console app that mm. you run, and when you run it, it connects to the service, uh, talks to it, and then it's done. Cool. Okay? Yep. Cool. So the other possibility is, um, or the other approach to this, that is that is uh, quite often used, especially for existing web services or something that's near existing web service, is to say, you know, I'm not going to build a lot of the sync smarts uh, or a lot of the sync protocol into my service because basically my service is already out there and I don't want to be making a dramatic changes to it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to put all of the sync logic or most of the sync logic on the client such that when the client application runs and says, oh, I'd like to pull changes from the server, it is at that time the sync framework on the client will use the normal protocol for talking to the server. Whatever that protocol is, perhaps there is a enumerate objects call on the server, perhaps there is a some sort of a query uh, method that exists on the server, and we'll use those methods to talk to the server um, and to synchronize it with the client. We did that. We did that with a couple of the of the photo sharing sites to allow us to 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 sync to those. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik, who bring you the new TFS Work Item Manager and TFS Project Dashboard. So if you're spending a lot of time on organizing the cluttered pile of work items in TFS, get ready for a fresh and intuitive experience. The guys at Telerik just launched the TFS Work Item Manager and Project Dashboard, a couple of free tools designed to make working with Team Foundation Server faster and easier. Unlike the standard TFS Explorer, the Work Item Manager lets you take advantage of powerful capabilities like filtering, as-you-type search, grouping and aggregation, and iteration scheduling. You can even see all the work items in a Scrum dashboard view, as if watching the whiteboard in your own room. Project Dashboard is a unique tool for visualizing TFS data. Useful for both developers and project managers, it helps you keep track of the latest TFS project activity like current iteration progress, build history, recent check-ins, assigned tasks and bug history, and to understand the health of the project as a whole. The TFS tools are brought to you by Telerik and Imaginet the experts in application lifecycle management. Built with RAD controls for WPF, they're both amazingly flexible and responsive. Go to Telerik.com and download the TFS tools for free. And hey, don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. So when an application is dealing with the synchronization sort of coming and going, I mean, I, but you alluded to this, and maybe I'll just say it more bluntly. The, the real issue that I run into with most apps that are trying to do this kind of thing is that a key thread hangs. Or in the case of Outlook, all threads hang. Yeah. So that you're waiting for that synchronization to finish. Like, it this seems like the priorities are wrong. The UI stops working. It, does the framework have anything to do with that? Is that totally up to the programmer? Uh, well, so it's unfortunately, it's one of those situations where, where it's the, the weakest link, right? Um, so, uh, both the, both the framework and the, and the developer have something to do with it. Okay. In the following way. That's a very good question. Let me explain how, 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 how this works. So, um, a big problem that you're facing when synchronizing in the background, uh, under a, li uh, under a live application is how to allow the application to make changes while the synchronization is continuing. Right. Okay. And so, um, so this is a difficult problem. 
and it's 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 the same it goes to the same to the same um aspect as uh, as what you were mentioning with with errors where uh if i'm synchronizing and you're making changes how do i make sure that i that i don't miss the changes that you're making right and the easiest solution to this problem the easiest solution uh, is is to say you know what while i'm synchronizing i'm just not going to allow for any local changes to be made locally and many many applications especially those that, that i mean applications that are not using the sync framework our sync framework and or the applications that are that just don't have a very sophisticated sync technology in them choose this route because frankly it's the only one uh that is that is easy to get to work without uh without um, significant um effort right so what we do is we make it easy not to take this choice. We make it easy, <laughs> or relatively easy, to say, hey, you, your application can continue to make changes. Here is, how your, your, here is how you report these changes to us, and then we're going to take care of it. Now, of course, it is still up to the individual developer to uh, make that choice to say, I'm not going to lock the client. I'm going to uh, continue allowing client, client updates, and I will report these changes to the sync framework as uh, in 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 this fashion, but right. but the way to do it is fairly fairly straightforward with us. So we've only alluded to the actual programming models. You keep hinting at pieces of it. There's a provider model. So for example, I'm I how am I get notified that new data has come in via the sync framework and to and can then incorporate it or utilize it in some way. Yeah. So the programming model. So the programming model consists um, alluded to consists of two major parts. There is uh, the interface, the set of interfaces for sync controlling applications, the application that is ticking off sync. And uh, so this, this this interface is fairly simple. This is the one where sync orchestrator uh, takes the two providers and reports on very uh, reports various events back up to the application. So that's interface number one. Interface number two is a sync provider interface. So if you have your own store, you need to write a sync provider that is capable of synchronizing the store. Right. And we help we help you greatly, but you have to write that provider. And this second interface is is is, is definitely more complicated and in V2 but let me start um uh, to describe it. Let me actually start from V2 and then I can describe the V1 uh, model if you, if you'd like. I'll start from V2 because it's a simpler model. So what we do in V2 is we say you can write what we call a simple provider. And a simple provider um, comes in two flavors, full enumeration and anchor, and I'll explain what that means. So full enumeration provider says, look, I have a store, and my store has no particular sync capabilities. A good example of such a store is a FAT file system. Right? If you have a FAT file system, it has no ability to enumerate changes. It has no ability to... Um, um, detect conflicts or do anything like it. it has no place to store additional metadata. It has none of these capabilities. Right. So the provider would have to do this work itself. So what we are saying is, hey, you know, if your store is so simple that you really have nothing to expose, then we can do the, all the heavy lifting for you. And so the only thing that, so the interface to the provider, you can find it, I think, I believe it's called full enumeration, um, full enumeration sync provider. Uh, well, I can look up the actual name. I'm, it has the oh, word sorry. full enumeration in it for sure. And this interface is very simple. The interface basically says uh, it has a method to enumerate the objects that are currently in your store. And it has the method to create a new object, update an existing object, and delete an object. 
And pretty much with these methods, we can do the rest of the work. What you have to do is for every object, you have to report, you have to give us two sets of properties. One that we call object identifying properties, something that tells us that this is the same object. So for a file, it might be uh, the path, if you're not trying to be fancy. For a contact, it might be some internal ID uh, that your store has. Right. And then the second thing that you have to tell us is some property that identity or set of properties that says that, that, that would tell us that the object has changed. Sometimes there is a convenient property, like again, in the file system, uh, you, have the, you have the right time, last change time, which is moderately reliable as, a, as an indication of uh, that the file has changed. Not completely reliable, but you know, it's good enough for, for simple applications. In other cases, there is nothing. So a hash of all the properties is, is the only thing that, that will really do, but still it's very easy to compute. And so armed with these two pieces of information, we will do the rest of the heavy lifting for you. So we will keep the metadata from the last time. And every time you report things to us, we're going to say, oh, last time you said this, and this time you're saying this. Therefore, these objects are new. These objects have changed. These objects have been deleted. And, uh, and then we'll figure out which of those are in conflict and which of those are not in conflict and which of those need to be sent to the other side. So that is the simplest way to write the provider. The one, but the, 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 the only bad thing about it is that every time you sync, you have to enumerate all your objects. Right. You don't have to get their bodies, but you do have to get all their identifying properties. So you have to like list all the files or list all the contacts that you have in your store. And frankly, if you're synchronizing contacts and you have, oh, you know, for the for the for the more uh, outgoing people, maybe a thousand of them, right? Right. Um, that's really not a big deal. It, no. it really doesn't take long at all to locally on your local machine enumerate identifying properties of a thousand contacts, it's really quite fast. So it's almost not worth optimizing. If you start dealing with uh, tens of thousands of objects uh, or you have to go further over the wire, um, this starts getting annoying. And so the next model up from that is what we call an anchor provider. And that is intended for stores that have some ability to enumerate changes. An example, a good example of that that we use is NTFS uh, file system. Um, so I don't know if you're familiar with that. But NTFS has, has this notion of a journal yep. where you can you can figure out uh, uh, good which which files have changed since some point in in the past, uh, and it's a very um, very particular system. It is very difficult if you if you if you were to try to build the synchronization of your file system, for instance, with a cloud uh, based on the cloud remembering where your journal is at, that would be an extremely fragile uh, system that would, wouldn't wouldn't get very far. But what we allow you to do is we allow you to use. Um, whatever change checking capabilities your local store has locally. So it will not leave the box. The only thing it will do is it will help us on your box optimize our, our interactions. So then you implement an extra method, which uh, is called get changes. And that's the method where we pass you the last value that you gave us. Uh, like in the case of, of, the, of the journal, it would be the USN, the universal sequence number that journal uses as a, as a, as a watermark. In, in, in the journal, and you give us the set of objects that have changed since then and the new watermark, and that is all you do. And if there are any errors or anything like that, then we will take care of that. And so these are the models. These are the simple models. Right. Does that make, does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, totally. Hey, I just want to give a shout-out real quick to our friends at Data Dynamics who uh, make ActiveReports.net, among other really awesome things. ActiveReports.net is great because uh, it allows you to just build your reports with an easy editor, embed them right in your application, provide PDF and HTML output, 
Give your end users a report editor, royalty-free, of course, a great access report upsizing wizard, and all this for a price that isn't going to break the bank. ActorReports.net from Data Dynamics. Go check it out now at datadynamics.com. I can't believe we've gone this long without saying the words folder share. Yeah. Well, folder share is what uh, Live Mesh was. Isn't that right? Uh- not not quite. Uh, uh, um, uh, technology wise, these are these are separate. These are separate. Uh, oh. separate uh, pieces of technology. I thought they were um, related. Folder share predates uh, Live Mesh. Right. Right. Well, I knew. I thought that's what I was saying. Was I thought Live Mesh sort of used some of that code? That oh, Folder share. I'm, 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 I'm sure that's probably true. Uh, yeah. I I, I, okay, but now we, we've talked about the simple model. Now we get to the complex model that I want to be able to have one guy update the phone number and the other guy updates the address, and you figure out that they're not actually in conflict. Yeah. So, uh, so, so, great. Two questions, I claim. <laughs> so let me answer both of them. So, um, but let me start with the second one. So you mentioned the the, the address and the address and, and the phone number. Right. That bit, while while interesting, still fits within within the simple model. <clears throat> All you have to do is when you are when you're declaring your object to us. So I, I mentioned that for every object you have to tell us what the identifying properties are and what right. the versioning properties are. Yeah. Well, actually, if you want to be fancier, you can give us one set of identifying properties, something like ID, and then give us a list of versioning properties. So you can say, you know what, my object has um, things about address, things about phones, and things about names. Okay, three three groups of things, and what I'm going to give you is I'm going to give you three versions. I'm going to give the hash of the addresses, hash of the phone numbers, and hash of the names. We'll take care of not calling it a conflict uh, when uh, an address is changed over here and the name is changed over here, and we're going to tell you when when the time comes for you to apply the changes. We're not just going to say apply this object. We're going right. to say hey, apply the phone number of this object or apply the phone number and the name of this object. Okay. Now, of course, a limit on this would be if one guy updates the home phone number and the other guy updates the business phone number, you'll need to have separate hashes for those not to collide. Well, exactly. And and the point that I was trying to make is, is is that the actual granularity of this is part of the decision that the developer needs to make because this is part of the requirements of the solution. So, for instance, you can say, if I change the first name and you change the middle name, do I want these things to collide? And right. more often than not, the answer is, yeah, you know, I probably do. It's not for technical reasons. It's for logical reasons yeah. that um, chances are something is messed up here. I, and I want this raised to the user. Yeah, chances that combining those two sets of name changes is going to create, create the correct name is really low. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so that's precisely right. And that's why we have this notion, we call them change units, where we basically say you as the owner of the data, you as the person who understands how this stuff works, should decide what these change units are. Basically, at which level combining things automatically is reasonable, and at which level it's probably the wrong thing to do. Right. And so I use the example of somebody saying, you know, all of my phone numbers will form a single change unit. Um, yeah. And uh, and then you, then you give us a single hash, or you can say, no, no, no. Actually, I want all my phone numbers to be separate. Sounds good. Then you give us a hash per phone number. And there's got to be a point here where there's so many hashes that your evaluation process is going to start getting costly. Like the amount of data you got to haul around is going to become a problem. Absolutely. That is, that is totally, you're totally right. This is definitely a trade-off between the amount of data kept 
and the, and, the, and the granularity that you can gain, although I will add one caveat to this. The caveat is this. The way Sync Framework works is if you declare a lot of change units, it will definitely increase the amount of data, the amount of metadata that we keep on any given endpoint about your data. But it will not significantly increase the amount of data that we send over the wire to the other side. Okay? So it's not like we're going to be exchanging these lists of, these lists of hashes across the wire. The list okay. of hashes are used locally to detect the changes. So it's not as bad, but it's still a valid trade-off. Okay. Yeah, and, and all of this goes out the window as soon as we talk about millions of, tra- of uh, items. The moment we go about, we start talking about millions of items exactly, the simple provider model is, is no longer a good idea. Right. And, 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 and there are two reasons why, why people outgrow the simple, the, the, the simple provider model. And typically, the, these reasons are, yeah, the two reasons are either there are, there's just too much data or there are too yeah. many objects, or you want to store the metadata with the data. Because basically, if you're synchronizing files, there's no place in the file to store the metadata about that file. Okay. The file system is just not intended for that. Right. On the other hand, if you're synchronizing a database, you could store the metadata with the object. You could store it in the same database. You could even store it in the same row. Yep. And there are a lot of performance benefits to be had by doing so, as opposed to allowing us to store the metadata elsewhere. And so these are the good reasons to write, uh, to write, to write a more sophisticated provider, which we call a knowledge sync provider. And it's, it's, not, it's not terribly complicated, but it's, it's, certainly, it's certainly more complicated than writing a simple provider. Yeah. And what you have to do is, if you if you do that, is um, uh, I'll, I'll still I'll I'll stay a little bit at the high at the high level, just to avoid describing interfaces uh, without without uh, without a piece of paper. But basically, what you have to do is we will call you and we will ask you, could you please apply these changes? Okay. Right. And when we call you and we tell you, could you please apply these changes? Um, we give you the freedom to say, to do all the work yourself if you want. You can just say, okay, sure, I'll look at these changes, I'll understand the metadata, I'll figure everything out. Or you can use any amount of help that we can provide. So for instance, and what, what people typically do is they use our helper object called the change applier. Change applier is a very nice beast. Um, you call him from your provider and you say, hey, Sync Framework gave me all these changes to apply. I don't know what to do with them. I don't know which ones are in conflict, which ones are not. Could you figure all of that out for me? So you call him, and what he does is he calls you back nicely and says, for this item, could you please store, store this data and this metadata? For this item, could you please store this metadata? Never mind the data. Right? And, and what you need to do in your provider now is you need to understand what our metadata is like. Right. You need to find a place to stick it somewhere in your store, typically. Yeah. And uh, but you still don't need to understand the more complicated things like how to detect conflicts or or anything like that. That is still taken care of by us. Uh, I mean, unless you unless you want to do it yourself. But un- uh, unless you want to do it yourself, this is still taken care of by us. But you get to um, uh, store the metadata. The other thing that you get to do while 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 I'm on this is you get to implement change enumeration in the way that's efficient for you. Um, let me give an example again. Let me use a database as an example. So uh, what happens is, let's say you're trying to synchronize databases among uh, a whole bunch of uh, um, 
partners. So when two of them sync, the sync framework is going to come to your provider and is going to say, the other guy has this um, watermark. This, we call it knowledge, which is a data structure of ours, which describes where a replica is, where a replica is at. You need to enumerate all the changes since that point. And what people will typically do is they're going to say, okay, sync framework, can you give me a local tick count for, from which I should start enumerating changes? And we will give you a local tick count, and then you can issue a SQL query because your store is smart, your store has the ability to execute arbitrary queries. Then what you can do is you can, you can use SQL queries to implement efficient change enumeration instead of allowing us to figure out what has changed based on the various version hashes and things like that. Lev, what about SQL replication? Doesn't, uh, how does this compare? First of all, Sync Framework comes with database providers. You may have heard of OCS, um, Occasionally Connected Systems, right? Yeah, which is the preferred way for taking a database um, offline today in your application. So this is all based on Sync Framework. So OCS and, and Sync Framework are, 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 in effect, synonymous. OCS is Sync Framework for databases. And what we have is we have a relational provider, a, a provider for your database that you can use to um, take your database offline. And this is a good way to do, to take, to, if you have a client application, to uh, synchronize it with a the server. There are other scenarios. For instance, you have uh, transactional replication in SQL, where you have two servers and you're trying to keep the two servers transactionally in sync, where you take the transactional log from the first server and you replay it on a second server to make sure that, that, they're, that they're stay transactionally consistent. Right. This is a different technology. It doesn't use sync framework. It shouldn't use sync framework. It is intended for a different, for a, for, for a different purpose. It is, it is based on the replay of the log. It is not based on uh, periodic resynchronization. And yeah. it is not something that is geared towards conflicts and things like that. And that's transactional replication. It's one way. It's very coherent. Uh, I think where this gets muddier is when you start talking about merge replication, where people are sticking GUIDs into their rows to identify right. the the sort of state of that row, and then you're getting that bidirectional synchronization, and that's hairy stuff in SQL Server. Uh, does it Sync Framework have a better answer there? That's right. Well, it's, it's not. It's not. It's not a matter of a better answer. See, merge replication is um, is a um, finished solution. Okay, so Sync Framework is something that you, the developer, would use um, to synchronize your stores. Right. Merge replication is something that you, the database administrator, would use to set up these synchronization relationships. You don't want to write any code. You just yeah. want merge replication comes with UI. It comes with the tooling, with the monitoring. It's a complete package. Okay? And it takes these decisions, makes these decisions for you. That's why it's sticking goods in, in, in your rows, because it needs a way of identifying objects. It can't ask you because you're not there. Um, therefore, it needs to do these sorts of things itself. So it is, it is, it is a perfectly good solution for, 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 for that situation. If you're writing your own code, then you would want to use a sync framework. And if you're a DBA, you'd, you'd want to use merge. Although there's times in merge replication, and I think it's specifically around conflict resolution where code shows up. It might be T-SQL. It might be any other thing, sure. but there is conflict resolution is the challenge in merge replication. You, you, you're right. You're right. And certainly the more, uh, um, as, as, is, as is often the case, uh, when you try to do a, an end-user style solution, um, 
it works well. It works particularly well when the situations situations are not, are not very difficult, and when corner cases start to happen, um, is where um, you 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 still need a little bit of a developer help. Although you know everything about sync feels like a corner case. Unfortunately, you're right, and it's 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 or at least what we what we have found is is um, you know. You can write a sync solution that doesn't um, handle the corner cases. Even if the corner cases occur rarely, what basically happens with sync is because users don't interact with it all the time, Right. it is a matter of trust. People have really only two relationships with synchronization solutions. Either they believe in them or they don't believe in them. Yes. And and uh, the first time when your two stores uh, diverge is when the, 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 the end user stops believing in you. And it, it really doesn't matter if you only diverge every once in a while. Because the user can't tell. So if I'm looking at the store and I'm basically saying, well, maybe it's in sync, maybe it's not in sync, then I, I, just, I don't, just don't believe in it anymore. Yeah. We should mention that a corner case is a problem or situation that uh, occurs outside of normal parameters. Sort of like an outlier. That's right. Yeah, it, it may be something that occurs rarely, like uh, uh, an error of some kind. Uh, transmission error, or, or even a conflict. There are, there are some scenarios in which conflicts themselves are are uh, rare. Um, in other scenarios, conflicts occur all the time, but you, you know it depends on, the, on your situation. But but I think with sync more so than with than in other cases, um, occasional errors are really deadly. For instance, if you're if you have a, an email client and occasionally it doesn't send mail, well that's bad, but you know, you can always look at your sent mail and you can say, yeah, okay, if it happens very rarely and I can tell that it didn't send it, okay, I'll live with it. Right. With sync, uh, typically you have no way of telling. So if, if it diverges, that just, that's just bad. Really bad. You know, people have that same sort of relationship with SQL replication too. You either believe or you don't. Yep, that's right. And there's lots of people in both camps. You you mentioned this sort of briefly earlier. I just wanted to drill into it a little more. Is it possible to write your own conflict detection provider? Um, yeah, you can write you you can write you can implement your own conflict detection logic in your provider. Um, it is a little less. It is quite a bit less common. Uh, right. I only know of one case where this came in useful, and that is because the provider chose. Provider wanted to be uh, optimistic about conflicts. Right. What the provider wanted to do was to say, you know what, I'm going to issue a command to my store to apply this data because there probably isn't a conflict, and if there is, then the store is going to complain back at me. Okay. Um, sometimes that's, that's sometimes that's useful, but yeah, but we don't see that we don't see that done very often. I could also see in certain scenarios where there's some trick that the developer could do to detect a conflict early on something that could be very costly, basically a performance trick. To detect the conflict early. Um, like, say uh, I know this whole data set's going to be wrong uh, at midnight on Sundays. Rather than wait for the conf conflict detector to find that it's at wrong, I could just call it. That's wrong. Dump it and resync. Um, sure. Um. Um, you, talk, you say that like I'm crazy. No, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so, 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 it is definitely easy to recover from this in in, in the sense. So, if you do if you do come by such knowledge, right. then it is it is straightforward 
to tell the system, hey, uh, for instance, ignore this data set. Um, uh, the other data set is right. Um, sync, sync, it, sync it in that direction and, and, and accept whatever the other guy has. Okay. Um, as for situations in which you could detect that, um, I, it's some, nothing comes to mind, but I'm, I'm sure they do happen. Yeah. But like you said, it, it's, a, it's a marginal case. It's not likely to happen. Most of the time, you let the, let the tool do what it's built to do. Um, yeah, what, 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 what does happen, I, I should mention this, um, uh, it's one of the corner cases, but it's a, it's a curious one. Um, what happens is you maintain, so we maintain a certain amount of metadata <coughs> um, uh, on, on the store. And this metadata needs to be cleaned up. You can't keep it forever. Right. A particular case of this is tombstones, right? When something is deleted, we have to keep a tombstone for a while, but then eventually we have to clean it up. Yep. And everything solution has to do that. So everything solution has to face the situation that it's been a little too aggressive. It cleans something up, but then the replica that it thought was dead comes back to life and says, no, 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 I'm still here. I'm still here. I still want to sink. Okay? Right. And, and, uh, and, the, question, and the question becomes, okay, what do you do in, in, such, in such a situation? And um, uh, so it turns out that, that different sync solutions um, fail to handle it in various ways, or, well, handle it or fail to handle it in, uh, to a variety of degrees, uh, one of which is to not notice that this happened. And this is really, really bad because what happens is um, the, um, the dead replica the, or the, the long out of sync replica uh, right. tends to resurrect objects that have been long deleted and they come back into the, into, into the community silently and everybody is really, is really surprised as to, what's, as to what's going on here. Yeah, this is like a sales guy's machine that's been offline for a month and suddenly comes back and two weeks ago you purged all the deleted items and now he's putting them back in. Exactly, exactly. Right. And that is, that is really, really, really inconvenient and really bad. The other possibility, so, so, so some more credible sync solutions look at this and they basically say, ah, no, we can't detect that and prevent that guy from coming back in. We're just going to kick him out. We're going to keep yeah. him out. If he tries to sync, we're just going to say, no, we can't talk to you. You're too old. We, we, we have purged some stuff. Yeah, you missed the last purge. Everything you know is wrong. Start over. Exactly, exactly. And that's better. But the problem with this is this guy may be bringing some very useful data. He may have made yes. a whole bunch of changes that he really needs to bring into the community. And, uh, and, and, and he, doesn't, he, doesn't want to, he doesn't want to resurrect the, the old dead things, but he does want to give his own updates that he has made to, to the rest of the community. Right. Like this happens more often than I thought. And uh, what people tend to do is they say, okay, I'm going to set up a new replica, and then carefully, record by record, I'm going to copy the things from the dead one over to the new one, uh, so that the new one could uh, could propagate them to the rest of the community, and that's really really painful. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. So it turns out we have a solution for that. So with sync framework, that won't happen. With sync framework, what happens is if a replica stays out of sync too long, which can happen. Yeah. The next sync with that replica will be slow. We call this a recovery sync. Okay. But aside from a performance implication for the next sync. No correctness problems will occur. We will not resurrect anything. We will bring in all the changes that the other guy has made. At worst, we are going to call some of those things conflicts, and we're yes. going to raise them to the user and say, hey, do you, do you really want to keep this old update from the, from the, from the almost dead guy? Um, but, uh, but we will not lose anything, and we will not uh, corrupt the data in any way. The main thing here is you're detecting that you have an out-of-date client trying to sync so that you can make some special cases for it. 
That is right. That is right. That is right. And that, uh, I, I, would, I would claim that there are two main things here. So one is detecting uh, that that happened, and the other is having enough metadata to be able to tell whether, it, uh, whether something is a purged object that the other guy hasn't heard of or a new object that the, guy, that the other guy has created and would like to tell everyone, everyone about. Yeah, I'm sure there's enough information there to figure out what's one or the other. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, I noticed in your bio, you had this sort of combination of the sync information and the cloud storage stuff. And I guess, the, to me, sounds an awful lot like WinFS. Where does storage fit into your life in all this? Um, <laughs> mention all of them. Um, so, um, so okay. So, um, sync framework itself, we sort of stra- straddle, straddle the world here a little bit. Yeah. So, um, on one hand, we're saying... Um, Sync framework is storage independent. Whatever it is, wherever it is that you store your data, you can use the sync framework to sync it. On the other hand, uh, we do work with some stores to make them uh, work, uh, to, to, to make sure that they shine uh, with, with sync framework. So in particular, we work with SQL Server uh, to make sure that SQL Server is a great sync uh, endpoint. And similarly, we're working with SQL Azure uh, to make sure that it will be a, a great uh, sync endpoint. Right when, when it when when it, when it ships, so that's part of part of part of what I do as well. Um, as for as far as WinFS is concerned, um, a lot of this technology has its roots in in our work around around WinFS. So so there's a lot of a lot of all the all the good stuff that happened there uh, is uh, found its uh, places. That being said, we still could use a new file system. Yeah, come to think of it, you uh, had a something to do with that. You were working on WinFS. Sure, absolutely. <laughs> well, what can we say about that? I mean, I thought it was a, a great idea. And uh, uh, from what I understand, it was shelled because um, uh, of networking support that just became too much of a of a miry muck. Is that what happened? No, no, well, no, no. It, I mean... Um... Doesn't matter why, why it, it, it didn't get shelved for any for any for any uh, particular reason. But 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 the but the point is that it didn't get shelved at all in the sense that all the technologies that were in it have found their have 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 found the light of day in in other ways. Right. Uh, right. The the for instance file system support that uh, was built in WinFS is now a feature of SQL Server where you can you can store you can now store files in SQL Server. Yes. And and uh, it will it'll do a decent job at it. Right, and and they're part of the transaction. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And they're part of the transaction, but at the same time, uh, stored very efficiently, and you can access them using using uh, um, you know file file like APIs. Yeah. So it's it's more like it's not that WinFS got uh, it's it just it it shipped in other ways, you know, not not in the way that we that we originally that we originally intended it to 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 ship, but it's. Well, the thing that the thing that I liked about it was the whole metadata attached to the files and being able to just you know pull up uh, pull up pull up files based on the metadata. And metadata is something that you really uh, that that's your thing, right? Uh, you, you you're certainly right, and that, that was certainly a neat a neat thing in WinFS. And what what I what I would claim is at least for 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 for, for me for me personally, um, there are two things that you can do now. One is um, the the full text search and the search that uh, Windows has, and um, uh, certainly that Windows uh, uh, do with 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 files kind of gets you there. 
Yeah. Right? You can search. You can search for files based on various attributes, and it works. It mm-hmm. works great. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, the, if the files are not, if the metadata is not stored in the same way that that it may have been envisioned, uh, yeah. it doesn't really matter. The, the the end user benefit is attained. If you want to do fancier stuff uh, around your files, then you can use the the file storage uh, support in SQL Server and uh, get at it, get at it that way. So you know the technology is there. Yeah, it's really a workaround solution. The WinFS was the elegant solution. It just had other issues. Um, I don't know. There are there are many ways of getting at the. It's a, you know many ways to skin the same cat or what's the, whatever the expression is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, there's definitely there's definitely elegance to 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 that. There's also elegance to um, to um, keeping keeping the file system exactly as it is and still being able to to accomplish the same things. Um, I don't know. Oh, there are advantages of no worries. I know Cutler's a smart guy, but NTFS is old. NTFS is old. Uh, mind you, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, some of some of those some of those old uh, pieces of code are are really uh, surprisingly uh, long lasting and uh, very robust and very very you know uh, age worthy. Uh, but also, you will find that that while NTFS is uh, well well NTFS is old, the the things that uh, have been added. There, lots of things have been added on top of it, like uh, full text search, for instance. It's not right. strictly speaking a feature of NTFS, but hey, uh, it's right there. You can do it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to change the guts of of things to accomplish to accomplish the 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 user scenarios. And uh, so I think what we what we've done with search is not a bad example of that. Well, uh, Lev, it's been such a pleasure talking to you and educating us about the Sync framework. Good stuff, and congratulations on a great product. Thank you very much. It was my pleasure talking to you guys. All right, and we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Plop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.